Hello and welcome to The Vine Down. I'm your host, Emily Smith. I'm joined by Kate Heegan from Williams College. Super excited for the show today. Well, sorry, I shouldn't clap. She's clapping. Um, <laughs> She's clapping already. Yeah, the enthusiasm. Woo! Uh, we are here to talk about um, how to best leverage technology, how to future-proof your enrollment operation. We're here to talk, as we always are, in a very candid and human way about all the topics affecting enrollment. And I am really thrilled to have my guest today. I have been hunting her down for months and months to be a guest on the program, and we're finally here. So I'm very thrilled to have Kate Heakin. Kate, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself in a sec. I want to make sure that the audience knows me, of course, the host. Uh, yeah, yes. um, I'm Emily Smith. I, uh, across the last 20 years, have worked uh, for four companies who do stuff for enrollment and admissions offices. I reckon I've worked with 500 admissions offices and everything from student search to CRM to enrollment consulting and all the things. And obviously, I love technology. Can't get enough of it. Keep coming back to it. And when I started in admissions tech, we always talked about admissions being like at least 10 years behind corporate. So it was really easy to be like a person who and a company who like did things that looked great and looked high tech and really savvy because things that felt new to enrollment were not new in other sectors. And now we've closed that gap, which is awesome news, but there are a bunch of things that have made enrollment a lot harder. Um, and technology is is one of them. And a bunch of other things that don't have anything to do with technology is, is another one. Um, so I'm going to throw it to Kate to introduce herself. And then we're off to the races with questions. Yay. Kate. Emily, thank you. I am psyched to be here too. Yeah, there have been maybe, you know, a couple asks in my inbox to, to join you. And um, because I'm an admissions officer, right, I'm looking at you all admissions officers, we do this thing in the fall, <laughs> we run around the country, we run around the world, so it didn't work out. Um, but things are quieting down a little bit now. And so I am psyched to talk about this topic. Um, really quick bio, right? I just think whenever I'm listening to someone, I love to know like where they're coming from, like what they've been up to. Um, so, uh, you know, I I went to college and after college, I was like, what do I, what do I do with myself? Um, and I'd always been, I'll just say, I'll be, I've always been pretty gifted with kids. And so I taught elementary school around the country for a couple of years. Um, but then I landed in this place, Western Massachusetts, um, where there aren't, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs. And so um, I settled into an admission job at a really cool public liberal arts college um, and did admission there and did some really amazing academic advising work there. Um, and was ready for a change. And so now uh, I have been at Williams College for the past seven years, or, you know, private liberal arts college. So I have worked at two very different liberal arts institutions. Um, love this work, um, love the challenges, uh, especially because I've always been on really strong teams, collaborative teams. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, what else should you know? You should know that I've been a College Vine partner since 2021. Uh, and when we joined, uh, together when we joined forces, there were 500,000 students on the platform, which we thought was cool. And we knew it was growing pretty quickly. And Emily, now it's 2 million. Okay. That's yeah. Wow. 2021 to 2023, 500,000 to 2 million. That's amazing growth. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, again, I'm happy to talk about tech because I'm, I'm a fan when it works. Um, I am, not a fan when it's just really clunky and outdated and um, inefficient. So yeah, it's like to, to dig in. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to talk candidly about that. Now, Kate, when I first met you, I think in one of the first calls we had together, you had like a, 
you were, I think it was a call on a Monday and you had been some, doing some traveling over the weekend with your family oh. and you, um, <laughs> you were sort of kicking the tires on like, is college vine going to be something we like lead more into or not? Um, and you have an interesting story for us about the sort of street cred of college vine that I'd love you to share with the audience. Yes. I'm happy to, to give you guys some street cred. So I know I look 25, but I have a 15 year old. Um, Shocking. I know. Um, I have a teen and this is a teen, um, Jack, who is very excited about college. Um, and, you know, it's nothing to do with me. I am definitely taking a hands off approach, even yeah, though I right. know this industry inside and out. Um, but so long story short, uh, we are lucky. We were walking around Central Park um, and I was just kind of talking about how you know, in a couple of years, Jack, you and I are going to be doing this kind of thing, but we're going to be taking road trips and looking at colleges. And he proceeded to tell me about a really cool platform that he was on that he had just joined. Uh, it's going to help him, you know, look at different colleges and it's called College Vine. And I was like, okay, no, I am. I am the College Vine. I am the one who knows about College Vine. <laughs> yeah. And so just really cool to know that, again, this, uh, you know, I'll toot his horn, super curious, um, you know, good student, sensitive, intellectual. Um, he was on it and it had nothing to do with me. And so um, I do think it's a place and I've asked a lot since, you know, are your friends on this? Oh yeah, mom, we're all on it. Um, so yeah, it does have street cred um, and it, the numbers show it's growing. Well, I like how you both like felt competitive enough to claim us. Yeah. Like College Vine is my space. You're like, no, I know College Vine. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I admire your son because he is a kid who's like super focused on his college journey. I'm pretty sure that at least one of my kids is going to like move into a frat house and she's never going to move out. And I know that I'm saying like frat house and she like very specifically, yes, she will move into the broiest frat house and like live there until she's 35. So I'm super excited that Jack seems like focused <laughs> in his, uh, creating his adult life. That's awesome. Um, okay. So, uh, College Vine folks or Vine Down folks, I want to first tell you to make sure you know about College Vine, um, because if you're new in the audience, you haven't heard about College Vine, like we're now going to get into this topic of talking about tech and you should know what Kate is using. Um, and we want to make sure that you all know what the, the platform is and does before we go any further. I think the best way to think about College Vine, we're like LinkedIn for high school students. We have 2 million students on platform. Uh, and they joined to create full professional profiles. And as Kate's saying with her her kid, doing all of their college-bound and college-facing work. So they're building a list of schools. They're grooming their professional profile, filling in a lot of data. They're coming back every other week to um, maintain their professional profile. And a big part about what they do on College Vine is field connection requests, just like you or I would use LinkedIn, field connection requests from colleges. And the way it works for colleges, and this is what Kate and her team are doing, Colleges send out connection requests, usually at scale, to groups of students who meet certain criteria. And here's the thing. Students choose to accept or dismiss the connection request. This is not like this thing that happens to them that they cannot control. They are choosing to accept or dismiss connection requests. Once the student accepts the connection request, all of the data is shared into the college's CRM as a super deep inquiry. We know they're a super deep inquiry because they apply at a really high rate. And the reason why they do this is that the students are really selective about who they keep in their network. We limit the number of connections that a student can maintain. Uh, the max is 20, average is about eight. So they are really carefully grooming the network of colleges that they want to be in relationship with. Um, and therefore, on the college side, as you're recruiting students, you're getting a really high signal. So that's like the college find brief if you don't know who we are. 
Um, quick housekeeping note before we get into the to the Q and A portion with Kate here. Um, those of you who are joining us on LinkedIn Live, we actually can see your chats. Um, I have had people over time tell me that they're going to come in, heckle me. Um, so like you know, bring it on, humans. Bring on the questions for Kate for me. Um, heckling is fine, um, but yeah, use that LinkedIn chat to let us know what's on your mind. Okay, so we're going to start in a gloomy place, Kate. There's a lot of I said I wouldn't curse. There's a lot of stuff happening in enrollment, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that are like a lot of challenges, right? We've got demographic cliff. We've got changes to affirmative action. We've got a new FAFSA. We've got the search cliff. We've got declining enrollment. We've got students who realize that there's other options for them that aren't a four-year degree. We've got a huge resourcing problem, which interestingly, we're all talking about like it's temporary, but like that's not getting fixed. Mm. And- Kate, like, what else is on that list for you? Like, what other challenges can you enumerate right. in our current state? Right. Yeah, let's let's um, stay in the doom and gloom for a second, right? Um, so, so gloomy, you and I. We'll get to we'll get to creative and we'll get to solutions. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, Emily and I obviously touched base before um, this session to plan out what we were gonna talk about and say to you all, right? And um, Emily, you put those doom and gloom things in a, in a document for me. And I was like, wait, there are more. And so you know, <laughs> on on my mind as well um, are definitely budget constraints. You know, even mm-hmm. at a well-resourced school um, like Williams, we do not have infinite resources, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we need to work um, and be good stewards of the college's resources. Uh, we are definitely a school that has a strategic plan that says very clearly we will make huge gains in terms of sustainability. And so hmm. that means we think about, you know, running around the world uh, in planes, trains and automobiles. That means we think about how many pieces, how many admissions marketing pieces are we going to send to students this year or in this new you know, five year mm-hmm. admission suite plan. Right. Um, so we think about that. And then the last thing I want to mention is we um we definitely think it's a challenge that there is a lot of noise out there right now for students. And so I'm thinking mm. of my 15 year old right now um, who is, you know, who is on um, College Vine, who is on Instagram, who is on TikTok. And there are some hysterical, but um, not so truthful and not so helpful college advice, TikTok um, things that you can follow. And so, again, the noise is a challenge for us and the noise is a challenge for students, too. So maybe we'll stop with the doom and gloom there. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. And I I think like if you're listening to Kate going like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we gave. uh, Again, I'm really struggling with cursing. If we cared about like that, we're not going to send out a lot of mail that we're not going to get on a plane like your version of that in terms of sustainability. That's a different road to hoe than like, holy crap, we need to keep our doors open and we're going to do anything we can to do that. And I can definitely appreciate the um, any sort of existential problem that's facing your institution and to acknowledge like that's going to come in different flavors um, and they're all legit and valid concerns and goals to chase, right? Like wherever you are. Right. Um, but every institution, I guess my point, every institution has a certain flavor of that, whether it's like we're not going to jump on planes or like we actually, you know, we are facing closure or our most. I'm not sure. You know, yeah, I'm not going to sure. I'm not sure we're going to fill this next freshman class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yep. And the the sort of the noise that's happening for the students in terms of like you know, search to them and their email inboxes, like all we have, except for, you know, College Vine and some other things is sort of this like 
we are giving people the opportunity to whisper into an already noisy room, which um, is something that the student can't control, but also sort of gives us on the college and operational side a huge amount of initiative fatigue, right? Like you're, you're working across different vendors and different platforms and your mm -hmm. staff is spending time on a, a number of different things, gesturing so loud I'm hitting my microphone. Um, and I, I'm curious, Kate, like from your perspective, I think you've got like a framework for any challenge. Like how do you organize your, your mindset around when faced with a challenge, when your team is faced with a challenge, how do you think through that and where do you start? I mean, one of the things we always try to do on the Vine Down is give the audience like something they can take away and put into action. Yep. And you've got a good perspective on framework here. Can you share that with the with sure. the folks? Sure. And thanks for, uh, you added something to the doom and gloom, but thanks for bringing it up. The initiative fatigue thing is real. And so, yeah, I mean, just, um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, the work I do in this office and um the many, many platforms and vendors we've played around with over the past couple of years. And just when you feel like you've gotten used to one, um, you then run the data and you're like, mm, this is not effective. This is not strategic. And so then it goes. And so then you're looking for something new, right? So yeah, I mean, I think most of us in admission are used to juggling a lot of platforms and working with different vendors. So um, we, I, I hope, are always thinking of the best ways to, to connect with students and get our institutional message out. Um, and initiating those those partnerships, but it's it's a lot. It's exhausting. So um, so one thing you talked about, sort of, how do we work within my team um, when we face challenges? We definitely it's this really cool thing, and it's only two questions we ask ourselves, so I can actually remember it all the time. Um, you know, as a team, we ask ourselves two questions um, when faced with any challenge, big or small. Mm. Um, and the first one is definitely. Um, is this student-centered? Is this what is best for students? Um, and so, you know, and that can maybe sort of be on a sliding scale. Like, yeah, this is this approach is amazing for students. Or like, no, this is good. This is a positive approach for students. Um, you know, and then and then the other end of the the spectrum. So we always ask ourselves that. Um, and then within that approach, um, you know, is is this way the most efficient? Uh, because you know, uh, again, even a well-resourced school can't necessarily hire two more people or one more person sure. to pull off this this approach we've decided is the most student-centered, right? So I think anytime we're making a decision in this office, we ask ourselves, is this student-centered? Is this best for students? And is this the most efficient? And that's really, really helpful. I really like the stacking of that because if you start with, is this the best thing for students? You're immediately protecting for the thing that I find the most friction in working in like consulting engagements with colleges in, in enrollment is the pervasive mindset around like, well, this is the, this is the way, why do you do something this way? This is the way we've always done it. Like yeah. we hear it all the time. And that somehow in our world has become a defensible thing to say. And I think it is an outrageous thing to say. Um, and if you're sensing like the intensity or anger in my voice, like it's, it's bonkers to me that we've allowed that to be true. Like, why do you do this way? Oh, it, uh, habit? Like, oh, okay, come on. We are way smarter than that. Yeah. And I like the stacking of like, first, is this best to student? Because it gets your mind right. And it protects yeah. against the thing that is potentially the easy thing. And it allows you to do that blue sky thinking in a way that like uh, sort of process and procedure be damned. And then when you stack the second question on it, which is like, is this the most efficient way? You're building those protections back in to make sure that you're getting into a solution that is uh, something that you can operationalize against. Yep. Um, and I'm curious, Kate, can you talk us through like 
where you've deployed this or where you've seen this in a recent decision that may bring that into 3D? Because I think this framework and that two question framework, again, it's memorable and easy to deploy. Can you tell us about where you've seen it deploy well or a solution you might have gone down a certain road that it protected against? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of, I'm thinking of two things. I mean, I might save, I have a, a really big, cool example. Um, about actually and schools out there. Um, I think minds might be blown that we pulled this off. But so I'm, I'm thinking of an example. We actually brought our search process in-house hmm. um, this year. I'm wondering if I should share that example now or if I should talk about sort of uh, ways that we've made our travel planning more. Or Ooh, talk about travel. I'm actually curious how you made that decision. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's attack travel because again, this is something most offices do. Yeah, and like I will say, days. from talking to many many colleagues on the road, this is something most of us have not changed the approach mm. to this. Um, I don't know since I started working in higher ed around you know 2005 2006. So um, I'm not telling you guys out there anything you don't know. You know, we sort of run some data what are some of our feeder schools, you know, where do a lot of students, um, you know, where are they coming from in terms of applications? Um, yes, we have institutional priorities. So there are populations that we want to make sure we get in front of, right? But then we we run all this data and then we pick places to go. Um, you know, we, we call uh, guidance offices, we call, we email, we use platforms, right? We use technology um, to make appointments. Many way too many platforms to make appointments with these yeah. um, different high schools. And then we go and we hope we meet people, right? Um, maybe in there we throw in some college fairs where all of us mm -hmm. look the same standing behind these tables. Table. Table, yeah. table, table, table. Uh, and families are wandering around like, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I don't, this is really overwhelming. What the heck do I say to these people behind these tables? Um, and then some of us do maybe a little bit more creative, you know, one-off sessions. Um, as we travel, but this is pretty much how it goes. It's the high school visit, it's the college fair. Sure, um, all the same, same things. things, right? Um, so um, Williams still does some of those. Oh, well, let's add in. Okay, so pandemic, now we do all that virtually too. Okay, so there's that. <laughs> so um, Williams um, has decided over the past couple of years, again, with these frame, using these two framing questions, what is mm -hmm. best for students? Um, you know, what is the most student centered way to do this and what's the most efficient? Um, what is best for students? It is best for students to connect with us, um, but they're comfortable okay. doing that in, in different ways. Right. And so, yeah, we're, we're not just going to go virtual now because we want to sit here in our pajamas and just stay in Williamstown. So like right? in person and actual like human connection is a superpower that is best for students. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so we will continue to travel in person. We will continue to offer virtual because the student in Mongolia, yes, we get applicants from Mongolia, right? The student in um, in Kenya, they want to connect with us. Um, so we'll continue to do virtual. Um, but we have run our data and we have <laughs> discovered the, um, that it is not efficient every September through, you know, like October 31st to run to the hundreds of high schools that we used to do. So we have cut way down on our high school visits. Um, and we have decided to do some sort of larger um, public information sessions. We have decided to partner with other really amazing schools um, thinking mm -hmm. like, oh, wouldn't it be best for students to come to one place on one evening and hear from like five or six really cool schools 
Okay. So the efficiency measure now coming back exactly. in to make something operational. Exactly. So again, just, I'm, I'm really stressing these, these two questions that you can ask your team, you know, what's best for students. And then right after that, um, what's most efficient. So definitely have trained, changed our, our travel strategies a little bit. That's really organizing to the team, right? If they are starting to anticipate those questions, then you're going to get to better solutions sooner, especially if you're putting that into practice over time, which I think is really cool. And it's a nice checks and balances, right? Like you're not going, you're um, sort of too Vulcan in your focus, like exactly. this is the efficient solution or too soft in your focus, like whatever, whatever's great for students, that's what we're going to do. Like there have to be both on those yes. checks and balances. Right. Great. Thank you for that framework. Yeah. I think our audience is going to really like deploying that. And I'm actually curious to hear from folks as time progresses, if you bring this in, um, is it good for students and how can we make this efficient or is it the most efficient solution? Um, and I will how say, to change your de decision-making. Sorry, I, I cut you off. I, I don't so we're like here for crosstalk. I'm into it. Got it. Got it. Um, this definitely has to come from like leadership down. You know, it's, it's hard for your 23 year old admissions counselor who's new in the office to be like, you know, absolutely. If they if they are on this right now and they're um, listening and thinking, oh, these are two really cool questions to pitch to the team every time we make a decision. Yeah, that might be hard to speak up, but I would I would say go for it. Um, but I think if leadership is modeling this, it's just it's the way then a team will roll. Right. Yes. And I will challenge you to say, like, if you're young in your career, in your admissions office, like officer, like talk about a way to rocket ship put yourself on a rocket ship in terms of your leadership capabilities yes. in the office or in a meeting. Cause that thing that happens in a meeting interpersonally, like people are talking, you're not going anywhere, no decision or action or behavior is being described or, or named. Like it is a superpower to be a person to be like, okay, let's organize ourselves this way. And like, why not? Why can't you be young in your career and say that? And then, I mean, if it goes wrong, we'll just blame it on us. Okay. Exactly. Just right. Give it a try. That's good. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't think these are two questions that the leadership team of admissions office would be like, that's not a good idea. Right. Right. Like yeah. why would we be student focused? Right. And yeah. if your leadership, like, yeah, modeling, modeling, good behavior and good frameworks, obviously yeah. is something you want to do. Um, okay. That is super helpful in that framework to deal with challenge. And Kate, one of the challenges that you mentioned and you sort of mm. started talking about this and then backed off, which was just how you view student search and student search has been a main uh, motion and a main use of technology in the last 20 years since I've been looking at the thing. Um, and I'm curious from your perspective, like, how do you view yourselves? And I know that you're operating in a very specific niche, which is a highly selective private college. Right. I do acknowledge How that. do you, yeah, like the most selective, how do you view overcoming that search cliff uh, in, in coming years? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I, I like to acknowledge first that like I, it is this real thing. I just, it's so funny. If you Google like admission or college demographic, like the crazy amount of articles that come up and there's so yeah. much really strong language around it, like, you know, crash and, and, um, Oh, oh like the direness to it. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of really intense language in these articles. Yeah. And so I, you know, I don't, want to belittle this situation because again, it is real. The data is there. <laughs> um, uh, but, but Williams occupies a different place in that we are mm -hmm. absolutely concerned with, um, with demographic cliff. Um, and I have seen in, um, in person how this affects colleagues. Uh, we have had really amazing small, I'm pointing North here, by the way, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm pointing towards Vermont because um, I have seen some really amazing. <laughs> 
Uh, oh gosh, online world. Um, I've seen some really great uh, small colleges uh, close over over the past yeah. few years. Yeah. Um, and and it is all due to the demographic cliff. And I know um, I don't personally have any friends at large universities who've been laid off, but this is definitely also a thing, right? So none of us are immune. Yeah. Uh, and so if you were in higher ed and you are not paying attention to this issue, that that's a whole nother thing. Um, are you talking about search cliff and demographic cliff, like both of those things stacked? It, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think because, well, it's like, so... So there are less students, especially I think starting right around 2025, less students are going to be looking for us. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so how do we reach these students? What are, you know, what are the sources? How do we how do we get their names and send us, you know, lovely messages? Um, and so, uh, you know, search licensing names has been the go to. Right. And your background, um, you know this well, that's been the go-to in terms of um, finding the right students and making sure they they hear about us. Um, but even that, uh, that is changing drastically right now, right? And so um, a lot of us are looking um, for other ways to to meet students where they are. And that's how we came to, to College Vine as a platform. Yeah. So one of the things I do want to share, we always also, we like to talk about actionable stuff. We like to talk about stuff we can share. I want to share something with the audience right now, which is yeah. um, a free tool that we put together um, called the Search Cliff Calculator. I suppose we are um, similarly um, guilty of using some extreme language because um, a lot <laughs> has happened with student search, you know, declining search results rates over time, it could still be a very important part of your enrollment strategy. Yeah. But I think we need to understand like what's happening, what's happening with volumes and how you can actually predict this model this out and like what you might actually go do with this. Because as we started the show with there's like doom and gloom stuff, we also have to figure out like, okay, what, we're, what are we going to do with it? Because tomorrow we still like wake up and have to enroll students. And knowing what some of this stuff is and looks like is really the only way to face it. So we put together a search cliff calculator that's free. Um, we have the link up on the on the site right now. Great it allows you to put in your typical search by and your typical conversion rate. So if you're like converting at a 13% rate or a 2% rate, if you're working with a vendor, hopefully that's, you know, like high and good and feels like good ROI. If you're not and you don't really know what your search strategy is, that might be lower. Um, but to know what your name availability might be and how that might affect your tuition, net tuition revenue. This isn't meant to scare you, although I suppose the red, red blood red map might feel scary. And it's a thing for you to go take to your board of trustees to say, uh, or to your leadership to say like, oh, we actually need to go do new and different things, or we need to free up more money to, to test different things, whether it's more travel, a different source, coming and doing stuff on College Vine, whatever your perspective is on things you need to go do and test, you should at least know where you're headed. Um, so this is a free resource that we have that you can calculate um, calculate your audience, put in your um, funnel and see what you might need, what, what the impact might be. Because as Kate talks about uh, institutions closing, like that's real. Yeah. Uh, institutions are closing and it, it makes all of us sad, even, even those of us on the vendor side. Like there are schools that I've done a ton of work for and I really care about the success of who have closed in, in um, in past years and it, it hurts everybody. It hurts local communities. Um, and nobody wants that. So, uh, it's something to give you some shape to like what might be happening. Um, but that is a free resource that you can go and grab. And thanks for posting the link there. Um, I, 
want to continue talking about solutions mm. and talking about technology. And I'm curious, like we think about efficiency and we think about sort of frameworks across integrated technology, across CRM, across, uh, you know, whatever you use in your tech stack. And Kate, what's your perspective on like how your team uses technology um, well in your office? Like what are some of the core tenets of your practices around tech? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, one thing that is helpful in in this office is we really, <laughs> you know, we look at the people on our team. We obviously we see each other as humans, right? And we really quickly identify if it's not even clear through the hiring process. We quickly identify like people's strengths, right? So um, I would not be put um, as the like slate or CRM, you know, queen in this mm. office, right? Do I know how to use it? Sure, but I'm not going to be running that for this office, right? So I think it's really important on a, each team. Um, that there's sort of a go-to person for mm. um, for the technology that you use. I don't think that should all be put on one person. So I'm just going to give an example, right? In our office, we have someone who is the Slate go-to person, right? Um, my colleague, Kaylin and I, Kaylin is a, a youngster. He's absolutely incredible. Um, the two of us are the College Vine go-to people, right? We are the ones who've invested a lot of time uh, into, into understanding this platform and actually speak about it with enthusiasm and teach others, right, in the office about it. Um, th again, there's many more technologies that, that we use, um, but I think it's important to identify who in the office can sort of uh, bring the pep and hype around the different technologies. And it's not necessarily um, the case that everyone in the office needs to be an expert, right? We've got a lot of other things that we're doing. Um, and so that's that's one thing I think it's important. Um, you know, we all have these different platforms. We use different tech. So you should know who, who the expert in the office is. Um, and then I think we just appreciate when things talk to each other <laughs> well. And so um, one thing that we've appreciated about working with different vendors um, is that they play nicely with our CRM, right? That's one mm -hmm. thing that we often look for. Um, sure. If they don't, uh, are they at least, is someone from their office willing to spend a little time with the, you know, the CRM expert from our office um, to just make things clear? Even if if things don't play nicely well, with each other. Yeah. And to run that framework with you, if you were like, okay, College Vine, for example, yep. we're your partner. And you were like, okay, College Vine is good for students. My kid uses it. All of his friends uses it. Cool. But if you got to that second question, is this question. sufficient? And like, we didn't integrate with your CRM, you'd be like, okay, like that's the tension in making yes. this decision. Yes. And you're right. Like I, I do view, uh, that is sort of table stakes anymore that like, if you can't get good energy with your CRM and another, across another vendor, like what's the point? Like you're just going to create a lot of friction for yourself or it has to be so good that um, you could sort of uh, like look past a bad yeah. poor CRM integration. Yeah. We parted ways with a vendor last year because um, mm. it, it was not um, playing nicely enough with our CRM. And so again, that using those two questions really helped us make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I like your perspective on having a dedicated CRM person and potentially a dedicated person to sort of like honcho each vendor relationship. I, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is sort of how to use your CRM well. It's another topic that I get quite intense about mm. that like if you've got operational fires burning in your CRM, like you have to spend the resources to fix them. And you have to resource a CRM admin position. This is a position that like, gosh, darn it. If we could make remote, you might have an easier time hiring for it. Um, but that's my own personal view of remote work. Um, if you could have like a, a change management 
uh, way you make decisions sort of similar to that framework before, from before, like here's how we say yes or no to things in the CRM um, could be a really interesting way to sort of build your CRM effectively. Right. And I'm curious, Kate, like, okay, so I do, it's a College Vine show, so we get to talk about College Vine. How do you, yes. <laughs> College Vine is a piece of your tech stack. Yes. How do you and your team use College Vine? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, um, well, this is hard. I like, I don't, you know, in the audience out there, I don't know if you know about all the different tools, but you know, I'll share a few with you and Emily, please elaborate. So, um, we talked about these connections, right? We, um, Kayla and my colleague and I sit down, um, we sit down every two weeks. It is just a little college vine meeting that we do every two weeks. How long do you have on the calendar every two weeks? We do for college vine. We do 45 minutes. It's okay, often, 45 minutes every about, two weeks. We cut okay. it down to 30 often because, again, we've learned how to use College Vine so efficiently that we don't always need the 45 minutes. But during those 45 minutes, there are standing agenda items. And one is, okay, um, let's dig in and look at how our campaigns are performing. That's the way we, again, send out these bulk connections to students. How are those doing? Um, is one of them doing really, really well? Are a lot of students accepting our connections via this certain message we're sending out? Well, then gosh darn it. Um, maybe that campaign should be a recurring one. Means like set it and forget it. Like this is a great message. We want it to go a rotisserie out. rotisserie oven from the early 90s. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, you know, it's delicious. It's working. Um, if it ain't broke. Yeah. So um one way that we use connection, connections, uh, uh, College Vine really effectively is, is via campaigns and, and connecting with students. Um, the other is we've had really great success doing live streams. And at first when I heard about this, I was like, you know, seriously, like just another way to sit and, and do this kind of like webinar thing with students. Is that really what they want? But like yeah. a show called the Vitone. <laughs> Like a show, right? Are people going to show up? Like, why are we? Why are we doing this? Um, shouldn't we doing be doing more things in person? But no, you know, students and by the way, parents are a lot of parents that hop on mm, live streams. Yeah. Um, they want information. This is this crazy, crazy, stressful process. This totally college, you know, journey thing, and so they want information and they want to hear directly from admissions officers, and they'd love it you know, if we could be candid and funny and just our true human selves. And so we found um, these live streams that we've done on College Vine to be um, to be really effective ways to message out. And I will say, I think we do sort of a 50-50 split in, in terms of the, the theme of our College Vine live streams. Sometimes mm. they are specifically about Williams, but sometimes they are just really general college advice, which I think is is cool. Um, you know, it's, totally. not all, it's not all about us. It's also about helping them, right? What, what is well, we say? all own this, like we all own a piece of closing the guidance gap, right? Yeah. And if you can be a college who does that and offer guidance content, then you are seen as the trusted advisor yes. and the expert for the family. And when they are making that very expensive decision, they're going to lean towards like, oh, this is, this is my trusted advisor. These are the people who I got this information from. Right. Um, so right. Kate, I'm curious in building campaigns and folks, if you're not, a, I see like a mix of uh, attendees here, some who are users of College Vine and who are not yet. For the not yet, um, just let us know if you want to see campaigns. We um, will mm. connect with students on our platform. We can show it to you. Um, but as you build segments of students to go build connections with Kate, um, if, if you and Kaylin wanted to create a new segment in that meeting, yep. how long would it take you to do that? And the reason I'm asking is because I'm so sensitive to that doom and gloom thing we talked about before, which is the initiative fatigue. Yeah. And I'm curious, like I, 
I think about when I used to build online applications with colleges and I used to have like literally four hour meetings where you were like painstakingly building the fields in a form. Like, I guess we had that kind of time. Oh, Emily, I mean, I love you, but that's a lot of time with you, right? I know. I wouldn't do that now. Okay. But from your perspective, when you do build a new segment, you and Caitlin are sitting down, you pull up the map. How long does it take you to build a new segment? Okay. So I'm trying to, I mean, now I'll do, I'll do now. And then I'll do now. Yeah jog my memory before uh now probably four minutes five minutes back in the beginning maybe 12 to 15 right as we were thinking okay okay wait what are institutional priorities and so who should we message to so then which filters what how do we you know segment right it's Mm -hmm. much quicker now it's it's and we actually (laughs) we have a blast building like playing around like oh let's take out that state you know maybe we don't message Mm. to to students who are thinking about financial aid. Actually, yes, in, in this cohort, we should definitely be blasting this out to every student who said, yeah, I'm going to be applying for financial aid. It's, it's actually very fun now. Yeah. I'm glad. Fun yeah. is a little joy in your life. Hooray. Please, please, okay. So in under five minutes, you can build a new segment of students yeah. to go out and build connection requests to, yeah. including the messages that yes. come out from College Vine. And as you say, like can go out in a recurring fashion so that right. you can go back to your travel, the rest of your day job, all the things. Definitely. I will say it very much, mostly Kaylin, very much saved Kaylin a ton of time and just mental energy this fall travel season to run recurring campaigns. Yep. Yes. Oh, and what's really nice is in the audience, we have somebody who did spend those hours with me a million years ago. Thank you, Jeremy Wood. I had a great time with you building that, those applications too, but we're not going to do that anymore like that. Um, Yes. A different time. Okay. So cool. In under five minutes, you can build those segments. That is awesome. And Kate, I want to go back to you, and this is perhaps our last question before we Mm. um, get into any other questions. And and folks, we only have like seven minutes left on the clock in the webinar or in the show. Um, If you do have questions for Kate, please use the chat, type them in. We'll make sure we get to them. Kate, the last question I want to ask you is around change management. We started talking about change management and technology, and um, many institutions cannot make Mm. fast changes the way we do in corporate. Um, And I'm... I'm curious, like, what's an example of a big change you've made um, within the confines of higher ed? And I would love to hear, like, a, an actual version of that story if you have one. Yeah. So I I alluded to this earlier. I, I asked you, should mm-hmm. I do the travel example or should I do the bringing search in-house example? So let's, let's go there now um, because it was a, a very big change for us in many different ways. So many of you out there... Um, you use uh, you use a partner, you use a vendor um, to carry out search, right? And that is both, you know, all ends of of the process. That is um, the creative, that is the licensing of names, yada, 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 all, the whole thing. It is very, very expensive. I would argue mm-hmm. most of the time it is very worth it um, because those folks are experts. Um, many of them have been doing this for decades, right? Um, but we took a, a just a long, hard look over the past, I would say, three to four years. And we said, you know, this is going well, but um, is there any way that we could bring search in-house to save us money (laughs) so Mm -hmm. we could maybe um, do other things uh, with those resources? Right. Um, We think we've got some pretty creative folks um, and writers and, and designers on this team. So, um, wouldn't it be cool if just maybe several times a year we refreshed like some of our search messages. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
thought again about all parts of search. Um, and, and you're doing this over cycles, right? You're not, okay. Like that's, right. it took you three, four cycles to make that decision. Four cycles. Yep. Okay. Every year, like, oh, we should really do it this year. We should really do it this year. But then all of those doom and gloom things happen all Come the time. Come to call right? and compete for right. time. And right. yep. those were sort of the current doom and gloom things, but there's been doom and gloom for a couple of years now. Um, and so we just decided to, you know, forget the doom and gloom. <laughs> we are going to do this. And we did a big timeline last year. We sat down as a team, those who are going to be involved, um, those who would really bring the expertise to the table. We made a timeline of how we were going to bring it in-house and just and made the decision. We think this is best for students, that we're owning this and we have complete agency over this. Um, and we knew it would be most efficient for us because we had the players who could do it and it was going to save us resources to do other cool things with it. And that's also best for students. So um, took us a long time. Um, but Nice callback yeah. on the student and efficiency framework, though. I'm seeing how that's coming to call. And I also yeah. really appreciate like having spent a lot, a lot of time in the traditional search space that you didn't do the things that I witnessed some institutions going, which is like, ah, that looks easy. I can do it. Guys, your, your vendors, your vendor, a good vendor is making that look easy for you. That is they the were, point. They're a great, they're a great vendor. And we, yeah. we, yeah. we say like that you, at the beginning, we say it now, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like that perspective of like getting um, analytical about the roles that have to get fulfilled in that decision. Um, and it's almost like you took I'm actually surprised that you didn't have anyone in IT in that decision because that's almost like a business analyst role who would walk you through a business process and step out like here are requirements for this project, here are the desired outcomes, and here are the steps that we need to take to operationalize that in-house. Um, but that framework is, I think, again, really important for schools and folks who are in these shoes sort of like looking at that, um, whether it's taking student search in-house or another tech technologic yes. or tech related change, whether it's a new CRM implement implementation, um, but that mindset of um, analyzing, doing requirements, gathering, talking about outcomes, talking about how you're going to know, like, I think another, if I could add one third question to your framework, is it good for students? Is it the most efficient? The last question I would suggest to add is how will we know it's working? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. because that will, again, like put you into the future of like, how are we going to measure it? How, and this is something we taught, this is not like me inventing this on the fly. We actually ask ourselves this at College of Wine all the time. How will we know it's working? Sure. Um, and I think you've got a good perspective on that, having like painstakingly mapped out that process, gone through it, and now you're at the place where you're measuring it, um, and aren't afraid to make changes beyond that. Right. Um, we're almost at time, folks. I want to make sure that I'm checking into any final questions we have from our audience. We have gotten no hecklers, Kate. Ah, oh, I like that. I like that. I like People that are digesting, you know, they're they're ruminating on our words of wisdom. <laughs> chewing, chewing through our enthusiasm about process and technology. That's true. I think it's also just nice to to talk shop, right? So I know people, you know, um, people enjoy hearing a venting session, people enjoy hearing about creative solutions. So yeah. That's true. I certainly don't dislike talking. I know you don't dislike talking. So um, major and warm appreciations for you to come on the show and yeah. talk to me. Um, and folks, if you want to talk to us more, please let us know. We'll also be at Acrosam next week in Seattle. Kate, I know you're not going to be there, which is sad. Um, we're doing a presentation on SearchCliff as we talked about the calculator. We have a ton more data and report to share with all types of colleges um, on Monday, November 6th at 1.30 in room 608. Wow. I've never specific. been to that. Well, I've never been to that hotel. So I need to remind myself where I'm going to be going for that. Um, 
But humans, find out audience, we super appreciate you. We love doing this show. Kate, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. And audience folks, drink water, stay warm, be well. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.